What? What is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nick Longo Show. We got the... Oh, yes. And he's drinking Topa Chico. I am so excited about that. Yes. Topa Chico with Adam Eichelberg. Adam Eichelberger. I don't know. I always say it wrong, Adam. It's okay. It happens. But he's wearing a Star Wars shirt, which is incredible. We're going to have to talk about the Star Wars trilogy, Adam. Uh, what your thoughts are on that. And oh, we will. Oh, we will. It's going to be awesome. Adam is director of evangelization um, and a Catholic speaker. He's a director of evangelization for a few parishes in Syracuse, New York. Uh, Diocese in Syracuse, where I used to work back in the day. Some, some good times out there. And uh, we've uh, always kind of... I don't know, always encourage each other and always inspire each other. You've been somebody I've always looked to for um, encouragement in ministry. You do some great stuff. So it's good to have you with us, Adam, on the show. If you want to call in and get your questions live on the show, which you should, you should just text me at 503-208-5237. Again, 503-20, I can't do eight. But then 5237. So 503208-5237. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. Let me get a light on. Boom. Wait, that's outside. Bam. Now there you I'm, go. Now I'm a little bit less less in the uh, you know crazy darkness of the world. Um, Adam, how you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. Uh, how are you? Man, it, it has been snowing off and on for like the last day here, which is the worst. Like the fact that I live somewhere... That it snows in April means I may have made some not so great life decisions. That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, and you come from a place in Tucson, Arizona, right, where it's not mm-hmm. normally snowing ever. 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 Like we maybe uh, some years will get snow like once a year there. Yeah. And I mean, the whole world's on fire. Everyone's sick, and the last thing I want to deal with is snow. But apparently, this is my lot in life. So, okay. I mean, there's worse things to deal with. I guess. Yeah, right. I guess some some stuff out there. Maybe some things mm-hmm. going on. Um, we've got uh, we've got uh, COVID nineteen going. How how are you dealing with it all, man? Um, you know, I think that all things considered, I I, I want to say this. Um, so first of all, like a lot of time, like a lot of my friends and family, when when they know that I live in New York, they everybody just thinks that New York is just New York city and that there's nothing else to the rest of the state. Yeah. And so everyone's like, Oh my God, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I'm like, yeah, we're okay. We're not in New York city. We're like six, seven hours away from there. Yep. Uh, but I will say this, uh, I mean, not, not to make anything political, but I, I, I think that in light of everything that's happening right now, governor Cuomo has done a really good job of trying to yeah. keep, people safe and keep people healthy and responding the best way that he can so i really kind of applaud him for that and this, at the same time also like our local officials here our city our, our county executive ryan mcmahon, ryan McMahon and yeah. our mayor ben walsh who actually lives like three doors down from my in-laws nice. have done an amazing job responding to this and keeping people in the loop so you know we're staying safe we're staying indoors we're trying to keep away from people and that's been the hardest thing for us you know we're such social yeah not people in, not in my family you know cup filled you're like yeah what's going on mm-hmm. so i mean you know i mean all things considered we're doing okay and it seems like i was just i was i just heard an interview with governor cuomo yesterday that when it comes to flattening the curve which is what we hear about all the time we're in that plateau stage so they kind of put up the graphic and like the bad thing that we didn't want to do is go 
whoop and, and overload the healthcare system right away. Right. And so we kind of went up slowly and we're in this plateau and then eventually it's going to start going down. So, you know, we're hanging in there. We're, we, no, we haven't managed to totally flip out on each other yet. So that's good. That's good. What, what have you guys been up to like doing just to stay sane in the house with the kids? And um, so one of the things that I have found is like, so my my wife, Kate and I have always been really big advocates of like trying to be creative and think outside of the box and stuff like that. And up until about a month ago, we're like, you know, like screen time at a minimum, only when we're watching like movies together as a family or whatever. And the yeah. last month or so, I'm just like, forget it. Just take the tablet. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so, and, and, you know, like we've been able to find like books and reading stuff, but I mean, nobody was prepared for this. Nobody was prepared for how we were going to have to respond. And, at the same time, like for us specifically with like our kids, like our son in particular has really had a hard time. You know, yeah. he's so gregarious and he's such an outgoing person. Your that, like, son is awesome. The stuff the you fact, posted him on, fact that on he's Instagram, not it's amazing. <laughs> the fact that he's not around people right now yeah, and he's really kind of taking it hard. I'm like, you know what, man, whatever it's going to take to help you feel better, I'm okay with. So it's not like he's on a tablet eight hours a day, but – you know, like I, I was just my thing. Like I, I see so many parents trying to like work their heart. I'm like, yo, don't beat yourself up about this. Like if your kid right. watches some Octonauts on Netflix, just go for it. Like it's okay. Like right. don't. <laughs> but maybe have your kids avoid Tiger King depending on their age. <laughs> oh my gosh. So oh my. Kate was watching it the other day and like, I guess Gus came in the room and he watched some of an episode with her and I'm like, no, <laughs> oh my no God. Tiger King. Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Oh my gosh, I haven't watched yet. I've heard so many things and I've seen TikToks that have given me kind of a gist of things. Um crazy stuff. I, this is taking taking the nation by storm. It is flat out insanity. It is. <laughs> well, we got to say hi to Michelle. I think is this your is this your sister, Michelle? Do you have a sister, Michelle? I have a sister, Rochelle. I'm not looking at the live stream right well, now. Well, we got Michelle uh Benzelhofer. Oh, Michelle Benzelhofer. Yes, yes, She's yes. Here. So She's not my older sister biologically, but she actually is um, an amazing woman who's done youth ministry in my old diocese of Tucson for forever. And she was somebody who was a hero and a mentor to me, and we became friends over time. And she's just been so amazing to my wife and my kids. And so, yeah. like, she's my she's my big sister, and the fact that she's here is amazing. So, Thanks Michelle, for, hi, hi, Michelle. Thanks for being here. Should I have her on the show? Should I have her on the show? A hundred percent. Michelle, DM me. You're coming on the show. It's happening. It's happening, Michelle. And she's an amazing uh, campus minister at a Catholic high school out there doing that's, awesome stuff. So That's awesome. She says, hey, little brother, only 80 yes. degrees here today. So <sighs> She can sip it. <laughs> that's what I got to say to that one right there. That's what I got to say to that one right there. Uh, we got Sandy here, Sandy Hoptiman. Hoptiman. That's my aunt. Hi, Adam. She says it's Aunt Sandy in Arizona. So how you doing? It's my Aunt Sandy, yeah, yeah, we yeah. Got, we got uh, Myra Fernanda Carpena. I can't. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but she says, "Yay, Michelle!" Probably because she's going to be a future guest on the show. It's going to be legendary, Absolutely. Michelle. So DM me, Michelle, and if you guys want to call in on the show and be on the show right now, so we can get a little taste of whoever wants to be on the show, you can call in right now. I put it in the comments. You can call in at five zero three two zero eight. Five two three seven. Okay, so Adam, let's dive into you. I want to hear what what kind of led you into Catholicism in the first place. I know you worked for Apple for a while. 
you kind of, I, I, I'm pretty sure I remember you converted the faith. Um, dive into that story. So I was, so I was raised in a Catholic family. Uh, my parents were born and raised Catholic. I hate that saying born and raised. You're not born Catholic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they were raised in the Catholic faith. But, uh, you know, and this isn't a dig on my mom or my dad or anything like that. But uh, uh, Catholicism was more of like a like something that they just did. You yeah. know, it wasn't something that they had a real uh, knowledge of or like a deep rooted connection to. And so it was more of a cultural slash familial right. uh, faith. And Growing up, I just kind of went to mass and I was kind of went through the motions and stuff. And then as I got older, as a lot of people's stories are who are Catholic, uh, like as I, as I got into my teenage years, I really disconnected from faith a lot to the point where I actually uh, was a professed atheist. Like I said, that I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in the church. And I actually went to church to meet girls. Like I was going to youth group to meet girls a lot. And um, yeah. but the whole time I was going, even though I wasn't really uh acting great or living great, living well, I had this really amazing youth minister and her husband who was our deacon. And, uh, I went on this confirmation retreat. I didn't want to go. Um, I was actually, uh, chemically altered when I showed up and I had this really bad argument with my mom on the way there. And I tell the story all the time. Uh, so I'm adopted and, uh, I've I've been with my parents. I was, I was with my parents since I was an infant, since like a couple days after I was born. Uh, and I, I remember I was so like screwed up and out of my gourd when I went to this confirmation retreat that as we pulled up and I was arguing with my mom the whole time about going, I said to her, like, why do you even care if I do this? It's not like you're really my mom anyway, Dang, wow. which is maybe the worst possible thing that yeah. somebody could say to their parent. Right. And so I'm on this retreat. I'm just I'm just so angry at my family and these people. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And for the first time in my life. I had gone, uh, we were going to adoration. We were going to Eucharistic adoration. And I know that a lot of people claim to have these really powerful experiences in Eucharistic adoration. I'm not just trying to jump on the train yeah. with that, but it was one of those, one, one of the few times in my life I could definitively remember I heard God speaking to me. So we're in this old chapel. It's all musty and like this, everything's made out of wood and stuff. And it, it just had this weird, I just remember the smell, like just being like a weird smell. Right. And I was sitting in the, like, the very furthest point back in the chapel. So like if the monstrance is on the altar, I'm at the furthest possible point without being outside of the room. And I remember I was arguing with God in my head and like, I was so mad at him. I like, I, I, it was the first time I actually prayed in my life. That wasn't like a prayer of uh, me treating God like uh, Santa Claus, like, Hey, give me this thing. Yeah. And um, I was sitting there and I remember I, I, I've never prayed. Like I never really wanted to have a relationship with God or talk to him, but I was angry with him and I was yelling at him in my head. Right. And I remember telling him, you have to do something because you made me this way and I'm garbage. So if you don't fix it soon, I'm not going to make it any longer. So do something. And I remember as soon as I said in my heart, do something, um, everything. And this is going to sound really cornball, but it's exactly how it happened. Everything, Nobody was in the room and everything was kind of like way, it wasn't like white. It wasn't like the matrix. You know, like that scene in the matrix when Neo, before he goes into the matrix and everything's white. Yeah. It was almost kind of like that. But, um, and I was by myself and I remember I was like upset. Like I could feel myself. Have you ever felt yourself like vibrating with anger? I was like so angry and I felt someone grab me like from behind and I felt 
a beard on my face. Hmm. Like somebody was hugging me from behind. And, it, and now today, as a father, it makes so much sense because that I have held my kids like that when they've been upset. Yeah. You know, like where they like when they're throwing a tantrum and you know this, you know, right. like you're getting to that age yeah. where, you're, where your kids throwing tantrums. And like I held them from behind. I, I was held from behind and somebody said to me and I knew I knew it was Jesus. Like I figured out it was Jesus talking to me. He said three things. He said, I love you. He said, I like you. He said, you don't have to change who you are. And that was one of the most profound things ever, because even in my own life, and again, it's yeah. not a condemnation on my parents, but like, I love you wasn't a thing that we threw around a lot in yeah. our home. Right. It wasn't something we said. Um, and to hear that was really powerful. But then the fact that he said that he liked me was really weird, because I think that there's a distinction between loving somebody, caring for them and wanting what's best for them, and then liking them, right. like accepting them for everything that they are. Right. And he told me he liked me. And then he said that you don't have to change who you are for me. And what I meant, what I figured out what that meant was he doesn't, he wants me to live a better life. He wants me to like listen to him and, and let him be at the center of my life. But like, I don't have to change who I, like I can be like weird and quirky and nerdy and he doesn't want me to change all of that. He doesn't need me to fit an archetype or some model of what I think a Christian is supposed to be. Yeah. So long story short, he says that, and I kind of snap out of it. And when I snapped out of it, I, and, and this is all, again, people who are there, like my youth minister, her name is Maureen Kingery. She's on Facebook. And if you can get her on the show, she's, she is a legend Let's and like it. in the most amazing way possible. Like, yeah. but anyway, according to her and other people who saw me, I had crawled from the back pew up the center aisle. And I had grabbed onto the altar cloth. Yeah. And I was laying there just like ugly crying. Like if I was wearing makeup, it would have been like. Bleh. Yeah. And uh, over and then like when I kind of decided I wanted God to be a part of my life, I started reading scripture and it reminded me of the, the story of the woman with the issue of blood who crawled to Jesus on her hands and knees just so she could touch the hem of his robe. And she said, I knew that if I could just touch the hem of your robe, I'd be healed. And it was the same thing. Like I knew if I could just get close enough to him that I could maybe touch him, that that yeah. things would and so that's that's how I came to know who Jesus actually is. It, isn't it amazing I, though? Because like before you got you had that moment where like everything was kind of like white and like it was just you and God, you probably wouldn't have known that if you just touched the robe, everything <clears> could be healed. But he gave you like that encounter moment so that you knew like his healing power was there for you. Isn't that, that uh -huh. That's so hundred percent. And the thing, the thing too, that I share with a lot of people, especially with teens is like when, when I tell that story about that argument I had with him, I don't say the words that I was saying, but I distinctly remember like actually cursing at him, yeah. like using profanity against God. And I will tell people all the time that if that is all you have to say to him, sometimes that is the most beautiful and honest prayer yeah. that he will hear. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with you yelling at him like that and speaking to him like that because he can handle it. And he knows that's what you're thinking anyways. <laughs> yeah. Might He's the God of the universe. He, he breathes stars into creation. You think he doesn't know that you're going to use the F word at him every once in a while? It's okay. Like, yeah. I mean, you don't do it because you're trying to disrespect him, but if you're coming from a place of hurt or frustration and you speak to that way to God, that's a prayer. And like, and so I realized that for the first time in my life, it was me actually praying. It's like I said, it wasn't me trying to 
get a better grade on a test or get like an Xbox or something. It was me actually praying. Yeah. And and that's an okay prayer. <laughs> Amen to that, man. Amen to that. That's like the that's the prayer I want to I want to lean on more and more every single day. So you talked about how like when you went into that for that prayer and that yelling at God, you said that you 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 thought you were garbage. What mm-hmm. was what was it that kind of was making you feel that? And then what was it that I mean made you change that perspective? And and how long did it take? Because I don't I don't know if it took an instant for you to just say, okay, I'm not garbage anymore. Or like, what was that process like of learning for yourself? You are not garbage. Oh, buckle up, buddy. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the, a lot of the reason why I felt that way for so long is I, I felt very super disconnected from my family. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I found out about the fact that I was adopted at an early age. Um, and I had this weird moment, and I'll, I'll share the story. I'll, I'll, I'll give you, like, the Reader's Digest version. But yeah, I was in second grade, and we did this activity where we all sat in a circle. And our teacher asked us, who do you think you'd look more like, your mom or your dad? And in an instant, I had this weird, like, moment, like, oh, my God, I don't look like either of them. And when I said that, she said, Adam, stop being silly. Everybody looks like their mom or their dad. And when I went home that day, I asked them, I said, well, how come I don't look like either of you? We sat down and we had a conversation about what adoption was and stuff like that. And I understood and it never changed. Like these are my parents and I love them and that's still how we are to this day. Yeah. But at the same time, I was, it started forming this idea in me, which is not true that I was somebody's second choice. And as I grew older, this became worse and worse and my own, mind my own ego or whatever kind of spun it into this thing where like there were these people who didn't want me and it's almost like they dropped me off at the pound and these people who were like oh i would like a slightly used model like came by and like picked me out yeah and that's not what it is at all yeah you know that like that but i it's hard to explain, but like it, it, it started this weird cycle in me of uh, like identity issues and self-loathing and stuff like that. And it's spun out into almost every aspect of who I was as a human being. Yeah. You know, that, that there, even though my parents who were not demonstrative in the way that I wanted them to be and uh, didn't fit what I thought parents should be for me, right. which is wildly unfair. Yeah. Um, that I was just this piece of garbage. Like I was just this unwanted piece of garbage. And in that moment where I actually met Jesus for real, you know, like he wasn't just a sculpture or a guy on a cross or he wasn't blonde hair, blue eyed hippie Jesus, you know, like he was real God in the flesh. Yeah. And he told me those things about myself that he loved me. He liked me. He didn't need me to change myself for the first time in my life. I felt okay. Like I didn't feel worthless. I didn't feel anxious. And now over my life, as I grew older, like the self-loathing and the identity issues and stuff like that have fallen away, but my anxiety remains. Mm. But that's him even saying to me like, Hey, I know that you're anxious. Let me be a part of your anxiety. Yeah. I know you're struggling with depression. Let me be a part of your depression. Not that he's the cause of it, but that he can accompany me through that yeah 
so it's it, it's an ongoing thing and i you know i heard somebody say once that conversion is an ongoing process it's not a one time event you have a one time event where you acknowledge him but then your conversion to him and reversion to him is always ongoing it's the same way with me with with these struggles that i have he's let me he, he he's allowed me to let it be this ongoing process and i'm becoming refined through that and he's with me in that refinement if that makes any kind of sense. No, I love that, man. I love that. That's really powerful. I appreciate you for sharing it, too. We got yeah. Chucky Gons on here. She said, he says, wow, it's inspiring. Thanks so much for sharing. Uh, thanks, Chucky, for tuning in for seeing now, that. Now, my actual sister, Your actual Rochelle. Rochelle. She's in now. Hi. She says, she hey, what's going hi. on? What's going on, Rochelle? We got Stephen Jones. How you doing? I'm doing good. Stephen, thanks for asking. Um, so, Adam, you know, that that feeling of kind of being like a second choice you talked about with your parents has that impacted you now and kind of how, how has that impacted you and your wife Kate's relationship so for me one of the biggest hurdles for me to get over in the idea of getting married was that there was somebody who was going to take me faults and all and not leave me you know what yeah. I mean? Because yeah. I had been in relationships, long-term, serious, committed relationships before my wife. But every one of those relationships was, I found this thing in you that I don't really like that much, and so I'm out. Yeah. And she stayed. Wow. You know, like, I'm messy, and she stayed. I'm insensitive sometimes, and she stayed. I'm not super observant, and I'm not really good about speaking her love language all the time. Yeah. But she stays, yeah. you know, and so for me, it's not like she fixed me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the idea of like somebody completing somebody else is not only unrealistic, it's not necessarily biblical or comes from a perspective of faith that's in alignment with Christianity. Yeah. Because, you know, like if you want to put it into like a pithy metaphor, we're all formed or we all develop this God shaped hole and only he's going to fill it. Yeah. You know, and I tried to fill it with a lot of other stuff, you know, like a thousand different things. And my wife isn't going to fill that hole. Yeah. Only God's going to fill that hole. He's only he's the only one who can fulfill that longing. But when I let him fulfill that longing, when I let him fill that empty space, it allows me. It's like this. If I am a glass, like a like a glass cup and I have a hole drilled in the side of it. I can try and pour in whatever I want into that glass. And it doesn't matter where that hole is in yeah. the glass. Inevitably, it's just going to start leaking out. Yeah. But once I let God fill that, I can let I can pour so much stuff into it and I can contain it and it and it and I can let it be a part of who I am. And so once I let him really be a part of my life and she came into my life, yeah. then all of a sudden I experience this whole new level of fullness and fulfillment and 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 joy that I wasn't going to be able to experience if he wasn't there stopping the gap. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I love that. That's awesome, man. That's really powerful. I've never heard that. I've heard, you know, you hear the metaphor of Jesus filling you up, but you don't, I've heard, I mean, I've heard the story of, of God, the God shaped hole and, and everything, but not that metaphor of a cup and, and what we pour our, into our life. Cause friends mm -hmm. fill us up like God's grace works through other people and, and comes into our life that way and fills us up. But we also need to have God first in order for any of that to really like yeah. be present to us. 
Yeah, th- those things only become fulfilling and joy and joyful when we allow God to be a part of all of that. Like, like our we're allowed to be filled up with joy from friendships or our relationship with our significant other or you're like our kids but like if god's not there to help contain all of that for us it just become it just becomes a mess it like it literally just becomes a mess that's awesome man i love that we're gonna get into some calls here in a little bit um so make sure you put uh put it in your phone get ready to make a phone call call into the show you'll be right here live with me and adam you can ask us your questions talk to adam about his story ask him some more questions about his story ask me whatever you want um, but you can call in at 503-208-5237. The number is in the comments, and you can find it there. Um, we're gonna ask, I'm going to ask Adam a few more questions, and then we'll dive into those calls. So, Adam, now you've, you've dove in, into ministry. What led you into do ministry in the, first, in the first point? So shortly after that experience I had with Jesus, where like, I actually let him be the Lord of my life, you know, yeah. not to use uh, cliches, but... Um, what happened was that summer, I, I kind of was like, okay, like, I really want this to be a part of my life, and I don't want it just to be something I do on Sunday. So I started doing things. I said, like, okay, well, I guess I should read the Bible or something. And so I started trying to read the Bible. And I started at the beginning of Genesis, and I was like, this doesn't work. Like, I can't read this. Like, it's a novel. Yeah. And so I asked a couple people, like, how do you read the Bible? And uh, I went and saw my youth minister. Her name is Maureen Kingry. And she said, like, I wouldn't start there. I'd maybe try reading a gospel. And then maybe read the Acts of the Apostles. And yeah. I started reading it. And like as I as I realized as I was I was asking her for mentorship without saying be my mentor. Right. And over about a year or the course of a year, I was like, one day I literally remember into her office and I'm like, what do you do? Like, what is it that you do? Right. And she kind of explained what youth ministry is. And I was like, I want to do what you do. Right. And she was like, okay, like, why? And I was like, and the only experience, the only explanation I could think of at the time was you got me to this point. Like you helped get me here. And she didn't do it by like proselytizing or beating me over the head with something. Yeah. Uh, or like forcing me to pray a thousand Hail Marys or rosaries or whatever. Not there's anything wrong with rosaries. Sure. But <laughs> I was like, how did you do this? And she explained it to me. I was like, I want to do that. And yeah. she said, okay. And so like for a, for a couple of years, I was just an unpaid intern. Like I just unlock and lock doors and I'd set up food and clean up and I'd, make copies and stuff. And then she started giving me the ability like, okay, hey, we want to talk about this. Will you talk about your experience with this for like five minutes? And then uh, it was just this long, slow process of discipling me, like really forming me into a disciple of Jesus and then apprenticing me, which is a beautiful metaphor, which is a beautiful relationship to how the church used to work because that's how the early church was. Leaders in the church, specifically priests, would serve the church, but they also had jobs and they would apprentice people. So when you were deciding you were going to be a priest and you were going to go into priestly service, yeah. you lived with a priest and you learned about being a priest, but you also learned about a job. Like you learned every aspect of this life and she kind of did that same stuff. So she was my youth minister and my other youth minister was her husband who was our deacon and I have a great story about him. That's so cool. His name his name's Russ and uh we all called him Deacon Russ or DR and uh and I remember like right before I really kind of got my stuff together, you know, got my, you know what together. Right. Uh, we went to, we were at like a, it wasn't like a youth group thing. It was, I guess it was like confirmation class. I can't remember what it was, but me and another kid were goofing off and being jerks. And we were like the ringleaders of this whole mess. There's like 50 kids in this room and we're just being jerks. 
And he's like, everybody sit down. And he's this big dude, big, bigger than me, big, long beard. Just like I, like I looked at him and I knew he was tough as nails, but like yeah. at the time I was like, whatever. And so Benji, like he yelled and everybody kind of sat down and my friend Benji and I turned around, we put our hands on the wall like this, like, like we were going to get frisked, yeah. you know? <laughs> and we're, we're about like three feet away from each other and we're like giggling and he sticks his head in between both of our heads and he reaches in his shirt collar and he pulls out his sheriff's badge. I had no idea what he did until this moment. Yeah. And he pulls out his sheriff's badge and he shows it to Benji and he shows it to me and he puts it in my face. He goes, you two done screwing around? <laughs> and I go like, yes. And he goes like, then sit down. <laughs> I go, okay. Maggie's here to say hi. Hi, Mags. What's up, Mags? And this is my daughter, Maggie. Yeah. And so he, I was like, oh my God. And like, I sat down and like, I just kind of decided to chill out. And <laughs> yes, honey. Um, and so these two people really discipled me and really led me into a relationship with God. And, uh, and so I just started doing that. And so like off and on, I was doing unpaid ministry and then unpaid, like full-time ministry. And then I was working part-time doing other things. Like I was working full-time doing other jobs and then doing part-time ministry stuff. And then I was doing full-time ministry and not doing other things. And so I've had to, I've gotten the chance to do a lot of other really cool, really enriching things along the way. Yeah. But I've been doing ministry uh, either part-time or full-time professionally for the last 16 years. It's amazing, man. What's the biggest thing you've learned over the course of 16 years? Um, my wife, Kate, taught me this, and I don't know where she heard it, but I think she got it from her experience working with an organization called the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. And uh, she said, she told me this, that if, you, if you're going to bring – people the bible you better bring bread in the other hand and i can't all right who is that okay so eusebio kino said that i should have known that because there's a statue for eusebio kino and love it in tucson but uh he talked about you know like you can't like you have to be with people as you give them the faith and one of the greatest lessons that i've learned is accompaniment you know like it can't just be like i like my talent my gift the thing that god made me good at yeah. is communicating. Like I'm a communicator. Yeah. My my biological father who I've known since I was about 20 is a pastor. He's a Protestant pastor. He pastors a church in Tucson. Uh, my sister who is on here, she's a pastor. Her mom is a pastor. My biological brother, he's a pastor. And that's what our bloodline does. We communicate. Yeah. We communicate the gospel to people. And I'm good at that. Like I know that I have a gift and a knack for that. But one of the things I've really figured out over the last few years is that's really good. But it's way more important in the eyes. It's just as important in the eyes of God right. for you to share the gospel with hundreds or thousands of people in one sitting as it is for you to develop a relationship with one person and have a relationship with them yeah. and help them figure out who God is. Right. So it's, it's just as important for me to speak and communicate as it is for me to make a new friendship and literally love my neighbor. Right. So the accompaniment part of it has been really, really important. And that's really like understanding what discipling somebody really is yeah you know like i'm not trying to shoehorn you into something i really want you to experience what i've experienced and the people who got me to that point walked with me right you know what I mean? they accompanied me on that journey they didn't just say like this is the amazing story of jesus is and like because that didn't how it happened i yeah. wasn't like yeah 
And then like I was like all bought in. Yeah. It took a long time. It took walking. It took eating and breaking bread together. It took crying together. It took cursing together. Yeah. All of that stuff is a journey that we do together. That's cool. So when I first met you, you were, uh, I believe it's like, you came to Syracuse director of family ministry. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then you, you kind of worked in youth ministry and family ministry, and then you've kind of grown now into what I think you and I both are kind of looking at with our careers as a director of evangelization, not just seeing things as, you know, one siloed effort for just this demographic, but saying, how can we use like our gifts to evangelize all people? What kind of led you to that type of a model of ministry? Because I've been really, that's something that's really encouraged me. I remember when I was first starting out, um, my home parish, Holy Family Catholic Church, had a new pastor come in, Father John Mano, and he came into the room and he and he said, you know, this parish has been, done youth ministry. Everything has been about youth ministry. Everything is funneled to and from youth ministry, and we need to serve all people. And mm -hmm. so, like he, like I remember that impacted me so much, recognizing that it's not just about one demographic; it's about the entire parish because because. Honestly, that helps everyone. It's going to help mm. the young person for there to be a better adult ministry in place and it, because that's the parish life they're going to live in as a young person. And then as yes. they grow up, you know, and that's impacted my entire career. So what has – what like what kind of led you to this and how has it worked for you being a director of evangelization rather than, you know, one area of, you know, a demographic? I think it was really important for me to realize that – I need to not I, – I, I can't discount somebody just because they make me uncomfortable. Right. And really that's what it came down to. Like I didn't work in ministry with old people yeah. uh, because they made me uncomfortable. <clears throat> and part of that discomfort came from like, okay, like I look like a weirdo. You know, like I chose to look this way, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, but I thought that they were judging me because of the way that I look or the way that I act. And in all reality, the, the, I get the least amount of flack from like the 65 and older crowd in the church. Right. Like I really don't get the stink eye from them that much. But, you know, like God doesn't say uh, only serve these people. Right. He says, whatever you do for the least of mine, you do for me. And when I look around, when I see people aren't being served or when people need God poured into their lives, I don't get to qualify who's deserving of that and who's not. Yeah. I worked with teens predominantly for such a long time because I liked them better. Yeah. I liked younger people better. And I was like, this is so, I realized like this is me talking. This isn't God talking. Right. And a couple years ago, I got uh, just kind of kicked in the face by this movement called Alpha. And uh, this is my son, Gus. Say hi, Gus, buddy. Gus, what's up, man? Hi. Dude, can you do one of your TikTok dances for us? He'll do one in a minute. Oh, yes. Know, He's so good. Um, <laughs> but uh, so when I, when, I, when I encountered Alpha, and I get, a lot, a lot of, I get a lot of flack in churches, get a lot of flack, specifically Catholic parishes, about, yeah, um, about Alpha not being Catholic. Mm. But... In big theological terms, in big doctrinal terms, Alpha explains the kerygma, right. which is the need to have Jesus as your Savior. Like why Jesus should be the Savior for life, explaining his sacrifice for us yeah. and why we can't do it on our own. Right. 
And if there's anything that is Catholic, it is that. Right. The fact that I can't do this on my own. It's there all Pope is Francis is I talking about. Will, yeah, there's oh. nothing I can do that will help me earn yeah. God's love and favor and will earn salvation. It's not going to happen. Yep. But when I accept him as the Lord of my life and I accept that I'm in need of salvation, that is the most Catholic thing ever. Amen. Yeah. You know, and when I and when I started really diving into what Alpha has to offer, I was like, wow, it's not about hip young twenty somethings. It's not about reaching teens. It's not about reaching married couples. It's not about reaching seniors. It's about everybody. And as I really started doing Alpha the way it should be done, yeah, I realized that not only am I reaching more people and we're impacting more people for God, right. But at the same time, I'm developing these tremendously meaningful relationships. Right. You know what I mean? And that's part of the message of Alpha. It's like, it's better together. Yeah. You know, it's always better together. And um, so, like, I've got these amazing friends. Like, there's this couple that I work with who are on my leadership team in Alpha, and they're in their 60s. Yeah. And this married couple, you know, are some of the most amazing, dynamic people. And I've seen their lives and their marriage impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit through this channel of Alpha. And I was like, this makes the most sense in the world because there's no, you know, like it says in Scripture, there's no Gentile, there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there is no uncircumcised or circumcised, there's no rich, there's no poor. And I have to look at people as people, not about how I classify them. I serve everybody. And so it's just, it's helped me develop a much richer relationship with God and with the communion of saints, thinking that there isn't just one person that I'm supposed to serve. Now, is part of my focus youth and young adult ministry? Absolutely. It's just it's sure. yeah. part of what I do. It's yeah. part of what the church pays me to do. But at the same time, I should be bringing those people into relationship with people who are not in their demographic or age group. It's like you said, you know, yeah. it's going to make teens and young adults are going to want to be a part of their church community when they see that there are other people in their church community being served so that they know that when they go there, when they're older, they have a place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like if, if a parish is dumping so much effort and energy and funds into youth ministry, but then they see that seniors aren't being served or when they see that young adults are being served, but there's nothing to help them form good marriages. Yeah then they're not going to trust that institution when they get older. They're not going to want to be a part of that as they grow. When you serve everybody and when they see people in leadership serving everybody, that develops trust within the institution. And that is invaluable. Amen. Amen. I remember there was a priest who was doing a a walk – of the road to Emmaus with young people. And it was just, it was with the teenagers and did this walk and he was promoting it and mass and everything. And then at the end of mass walks out of mass and walks up to, uh, you know, prisoners walking up to him. It's a old lady prisoner. One of the seniors of the parish walks up to, you know, say goodbye. But instead of just saying goodbye, she says, you know, you're walking with all these young people with the road to Emmaus. When are you going to walk with us? Mm. Just shook that. Pre- and, and that like changed, the whole transformation in the parish and his pastoral care, and it's made, you know, amazing change to the parish. Mm. And I, I just think, like, having moments like that or realizations like that's so important right now in the church. Um, and I think we're seeing it all exposed, like, 
with COVID-19. Now we have to figure out a way to minister to, you know, this is, mm-hmm. how are we going to minister to people during all this? You know, it's like, it's been insane. Been insane. That And that's been like the biggest thing is we all were like, oh, we're not prepared. Yeah. And, and I said something the other day uh, about like, stop trying to compare your, your parish to another parish. Just be there for people. And like, if you, if it just means that you're plugging in your iPhone Yep, and you got a Facebook Live going, and there's five people watching it. Good, good, do it. Yeah, um, I firmly believe that this is part of the new normal. Yeah, and this is just going to be like how life is from now on. Um, I hope. But um, um, but like this is evangelization. Yeah, you know, like meeting people where they are, no matter who they are, and bringing Jesus to them. Yeah. It's just the way that it is and, now. And we're, and, and we're all we in don't it together. get to say, yeah, yeah. Like we, we as the church workers and people in, in evangelization, like doing work, right, for, for the church, we can't go to mass, you know, unless we're live streaming it or whatever. We, you know, we, we can't do the programs that we normally do. And so we're walking with you and we're all trying to figure it out together. And I think it's just, that's, it's just showing accompaniment. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna move locations, but we're gonna keep talking. Cool. That's cool, all cool, cool, cool. I love it. I love it. So, um, thanks for sharing that, dude. So, before we get, jump into the questions, I just want to, eh, we'll, we'll ask those two questions later, actually. So, we're gonna we're gonna jump into questions. If you want to call into the show, you can call into the show right here. Um, you look at on the screen here. Call in at five zero three two zero eight five two three seven, and we're gonna we're gonna take your questions live. Um, we'll see who does this. We'll see who does this. I think everybody should do it. We got a few people here live right now. We got um, uh, Scotty. That's my dad. This is your dad. What's up? What's up? My dad. Papa. This is my dad, uh, Scotty Gurley. He is uh, the pastor of Covenant Generations Church in Tucson. Yes. And they're an amazing uh, community there. And uh, I'm just glad that he came and say hi. Thanks for being on. (laughs) Thanks for being on, Scotty. I hope uh, everything's going well with the community and your church down there. Um, is it in Tucson? Yeah, it's in Tucson. Yeah, praying for that. Praying for that. It's, I mean, it's been crazy, crazy struggles. I would love to hear some of the stuff that they've got going on. Um, we got Stephen Jones. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, commenting in and being here again. He was on um, a previous episode. He had commented in and shared um, just really vulnerably that he had uh, been diagnosed with the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus and uh, we prayed for him wow. live on the show it was it was a powerful moment um and it was just I mean just to, just crazy just crazy to have him just share that on the show we prayed for him and he thank praise God though I really just want to lift him up right now because he said that he just recovered from the coronavirus um and just got out of the hospital so Stephen just know we're still praying for you praise God this is amazing that you mm-hmm. know God God is working man just keep you know, keep, keep loving now. Just keep loving now. You have a, you've got a story to share. You know, you've survived this, you know, this virus and the, you know, you're continuing to live through this global pandemic that we're all living through. Share that story right now because it's going to mean a lot to some people. It already does. And, um, it's amazing. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, all right, people call into the show. We've got, or, or I'm going to start calling people. We got, David Lynn's here. He says, you deserve more viewers uh, with such a, a handsome guest. This is David Lynn's. Do you know, do you know David, Adam? David, David's a friend of mine from Arizona. Uh, he 
uh, is a he worked in youth ministry for a long time. He works in a parish right now, uh, and uh, he used to host a podcast called the David and Craig Show, which turned into a show called the Creaky Pew. Who are good for they're all him and all those people out there in Phoenix are good friends of mine, and uh, he's also an author. Oh, so really? He's actually writing a book. Ooh. I, get to, I get to hear about him writing this book all the time, which is pretty cool. That's so, so amazing. That's so amazing. Adam, who should I call until people call in? Who should I call? Hmm. Who should we call? Don't What's Josh K doing right now? Should we call know. Josh? Yeah, we're going to call Josh. Josh, you're always on the show. You're going to be on it one more time. Let's, we're getting him on. You should call into the show, too, people viewing. The number's yeah, right there. Call the in. He, it's going to be awesome. He, he loves this. He loves it. Josh. Josh. <laughs> Every time he answers. The one time. Maybe he's just busy right now. Maybe he's actually doing something. Maybe, maybe he's doing he's, his job. Maybe he's doing his job. Us <laughs> jokes is over here doing a podcast. I love it. Mm-hmm. Oh. We gotta, hey, it's Josh. We gotta leave a class of Josh K uh, voicemail. Please leave your name and number. He always tells the, the time first. Have a great day and God bless. At the tone, please record your We're message. Gonna do it. When We're you finish recording, you may hang up or press one for too. more options. Josh K, we're clapping for you. We're clapping for you. You missed the call for the Nick Longo show. Come on, brother. You got to answer. You always answer, but you know what? It's uh, about 11.55 a.m. Pacific time, about uh, 11 2.55 your time. Uh, on the Is it 2? Is it 2 or is it 3? Adam, two fifty-five. Two fifty-five, almost three on, on on the East Coast for you, brother. Uh, but we, you know what? You can call back into the show if you want, or uh, you know what? We'll talk later. Love you, brother. <laughs> That's amazing. Who should we call? Chris Spilka? Oh, yeah. Why not? We're gonna call Chris Spilka, or you can call oh. into the show if you want. Five zero three two zero eight five two three seven. These are the shenanigans. We're just trying to get people on the show here. Why not? Why not? No one's doing it. You're all inside anyway. Yeah, come on. Chris Bilka. He's gonna answer. He's gonna say, You son, and I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to cut him off. This is a family friendly show. <laughs> is there a beep button? Can you believe him? Come on. What are you doing, Chris? He's working too. Hey, this is Chris. Oh. I am Oh, we're just we're just gonna cut it out. We're gonna cut it out. Let's call my wife. We'll get her on the show. She'll answer. She's in the okay. other room. I think she's walking. You can text that number as well if you want to get into the show. Ask your question via text. Text the number on the live stream right Hello? here. Christina, how are you doing? You're on the Nick Longo show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's my wife, Hello. everyone. How are you doing? So formal. Good. We're here with Adam Eichelberger. Am I? What? What is it, Adam? We have it's to. It's Eichelberger. Adam Eichelberger. I even typed it in. I even typed in it. My wife always cracks me. She says it's Eichelberger. Get it right. All right, Christina, what's your question for Adam or me? Um, hold on. on. I was, I, yeah, I was walking into my parents' house. Oh, yeah, you're walking hmm. into your parents? Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Um, question, question, question. Uh, okay, this is, I don't really know. I, I watched part of it, and then I got in the car. So I don't know if you talked about this at all, but wow. I'm kidding. Adam, how did you learn your awesome design skills and what tips do you have for people in creating things that are visually interesting and inviting? Mm, Good question. Okay. 
Um, that's actually a really good question. And I'm going to own up to the fact that I have like little to no formal training or education in like design or anything like that. And literally, I was just saying to somebody the other day, like I have made my bones in work and like in ministry of like just kind of winging it and figuring out ways to make this, to make stuff work without having, you know, it says in scripture, my dad, Scott actually said this one time that, uh, like look what's in your hand and use what's in your hand. And so, you know, like every, like coronavirus shuts down churches and we have to start live streaming and neither of my parishes are equipped with, you know, like super advanced live streaming capabilities or really good cameras. So I'm like, okay, I can't really get anything anywhere right now because Amazon is basically shut down except for essential stuff. So what do I got? I'm like, okay, I got a really good, I got a newer iPhone with a good camera and I got a laptop. And so I just went, bing, bop, 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 and I just kind of looked into everything. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll just live stream doing this and go, you know, and Nick and I, you, you, you and I talked about this yeah. you know, like, we, like, you just got to kind of improvise it. And a lot of the stuff I designed for like Instagram and Facebook, like images and graphics and stuff, I do a lot on my phone. Like I use like apps to cheat. Uh, so like everybody knows about Canva, Canva's yeah, great. The best thing in the um, world. The best thing in the world. Um, and then there's another app I use called over and that's another kind of graphic design app, which is, re- which is really cool. And then, um, Mojo, uh, my buddy, um, Abraham, who is a youth minister at St. Thomas more in Irvine, California taught me about Mojo and it's a really great way to make uh, heard of this. motion video, like really quick motion video oh, with no, music. You- and it's got a bunch of music that's, uh, that's, um, uh, like royalty free. So like you can put it on stuff and you're not going to get dinged by anybody for using someone else's music. I think you told me about so, that. So Mojo, Canva and over. And the thing I'm going to tell you is this because so many of us who work in church ministry are trying to make content that looks good, that people are going to pay attention to. My number one tip for you is this, find a way to pay for the non-free version. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're using Canva, pay for Canva get access like to all the stuff that they have to offer you. And like, I know like, especially when you work in youth ministry and you're like, Oh my God, like 12 bucks a month, that's going to kill me. Yeah. You know, yeah. like find a way, like just don't get guac on uh, the Chipotle for <laughs> the next month. Like you're going to be good. Yeah, seriously. Um, or, or, you know, like we, and this is the thing that Kate and I were just talking about my wife and I like find stakeholders in your ministry who are willing, like not people that you're just trying to hit up for money all the time, but say like, Hey, you know, like we're working on this stuff. It's going to cost us a little bit extra to do these kinds of things every month. Would you be willing to help sponsor that and see if they can, yeah. you know, or work with um, foundations in your diocese that give uh, that give uh, grants uh, for technology and stuff like that, and see if you can apply that towards that kind of stuff. Because when you when you it's like it's like I t- when I talk to people about tattooing, like you're good tattooing isn't cheap and cheap tattooing is no good. When you want to design good stuff, you got to invest into it. Yeah. You know, Edmund Mitchell just jumped on here and yeah. Edmund who is incredible, uh, gets the idea He's of investing good. Uh, he gets the idea of investing into making things look good. Like, so he creates great video and he creates great content and he makes it engaging and look good, but I'm sure he doesn't do that for nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you got to invest into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that those are like my tips. And really, it's just looking at the things that other people make and being like, that looks good. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, because that's all it is. Like, really, it's all it is. Like in in art, people get inspired by other people's stuff and then take it in their own direction. Don't just completely rip it off. But like yeah. when you see something that looks good, be like, oh, I'm going to like there's guys like David Calavita who works for a life team, who's an amazing designer, who does amazing yeah. stuff. 
I've bitten some, like ideas from him all the time. Edmund. Um, there, I, I, I could just rattle off a list of 10 different people who would be like, oh, they made something cool. I'm going to bite that thing. Yeah. That's okay. But look into how to do it and, and pay a little bit of money so it looks good. For sure. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. Edmund, call into the show. Um, yeah, Edmund's a great case study for, for doing just that, like going out and just literally asking for people to help support him. He's got the studio that he's uh, got put together now. If you follow him on social media, you'd see it all going on. And it's like, you know, of course it's him. I'm sure it's him investing as well. But it's also people on Patreon supporting him. You should go support him on Patreon, help him out Word. with the studio. It's cool, amazing stuff. Edmund, if you don't call, I'm going to call you. I'm waiting for two more seconds. Five, four, three, two. It's happening. This whole podcast is a ripoff of uh, absolutely of Edmund Mitchell's podcast. Hey, Edmund, you're live on the Nick Long Hello? Show. How are you doing? doing you're with Adam Michael. Oh my gosh, I'm live on the show right now. You're live on the show right now with Adam. How are you doing? Oh. Good. I won. I feel like I won the lottery. You won. You won. You're in. Man, I'll, I'll send you the money. I next love week. you both. I love you both so much. It was so cool to see both of you on on a on an interview with each other. I know, dude. Adam and me worked together back in Syracuse. How do you know Adam? The internet. Uh, just through the, the magic internet. of the yeah, just the magic of the internet. Yeah, that's awesome. Similar similar situations here um, with you. Um, What's your question for us, man? How what are you doing? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm at, I'm at the studio quarantined and uh, trying to make yeah, just like all of us, man, just trying to make stuff from the remote retreat desert of um of 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 my quarantine home. Uh, my question is, my question is like, what would you tell yourself um a year ago? Like, what would be the what would be the advice you would tell yourself uh, in ministry or maybe not one year, maybe one year's too soon, maybe like two years ago. Mm. Cause I think like, you know, people could listen to experts or people could listen to people that have been doing stuff for a really, really long time or whatever. But like, I think people like, I think you can really benefit from hearing the advice of someone who remembers what it was like, you know, two years ago. Right. And I think a lot of people that tune in would get a lot of value out of hearing you guys talk about like, like relating to where you're at now, but feeling like they're not as advanced as you and Adam, you know, feeling like, oh man, I wish I was doing some of the stuff Adam and, and Nick are doing. Um, so yeah, I guess that's my advice or my question for the show. All right, cool. I love that question. That's awesome. Good question. And you want to <laughs> go for it first? All right. All right. Thanks. Um, I, th- I think that if I, thank you, Edmund. <laughs> Um, I think that if I was going to say, like, what's the piece of advice? Because, like, I, I feel like it's a hokey cheat for me to be like, uh, um, like, uh, do more with live streaming or uh, invest in better equipment, even though that is a good piece of advice. And I would take that piece yeah. of advice. Um, or uh, like my buddy David said, invest in Zoom. Um, I think that the piece of advice I would give myself two years ago, knowing what I know now, is do more to surround yourself with like-minded individuals when it, not just when it comes to faith, but when it comes to like creativity and, um, and design and stuff like that, like find people who inspire you and take a chance on that stuff. Like go out there and like, you know, 
like send messages, develop community with them. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have, like when it comes to a guy like Edmund, like Edmund and I have never met in real life. Right. But I took a chance on sending him messages and stuff because I'm like, this guy gets it. Yep. Like this guy really gets it. There are other people that I've developed relationships with that I appreciate how they operate. And I'm like, they get it. And so I wanted to have a relationship with them so I can glean from them what it is that, uh, that I appreciate so much and like how I can grow. But then also like maybe I can offer something to them in some way, you know, like maybe I can be some, maybe I can invest in them somehow when they're investing in me. But I, that's what it, that's what it'd be to me is like, go out there and shoot your shot. Like, like get involved with people who really get what it is that you're trying to do yeah. and ask questions and learn. Uh, and and like that's it like for me i mean i'm no spring chicken but like being willing to learn from other people you know yeah. like acknowledging that there are holes in your game and that other people can help you fill those holes in your game so like when it comes to like my relationship with you like i like your your spirit of hustle without being campy or cornball is something that i admire Thank you know, like you have this very authentic kind of Gary V way of doing ministry and like working with people. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of people that are disingenuous about that, who are really who are really surface level and corny. And I don't want to have anything to do with that. Right. But the way that you do it, I'm like, I can I like I can learn something from how Nick does this. And the thing and like and please don't take this as an insult, Nick, because you and I have even talked about this. Yeah. But you taught me the value of failure and starting over again. Yeah. Because you and I both have very similar experiences in failure. Yeah. But me speaking in my own experience, I'm like, that crushed me. Yeah. Like that one failure really, really crushed me. Right. And you went through a very similar experience and you were just like, I'm not done. And you just right. went. And I'm like, I'm like, man, Nick gets it. You know, like, like there's something about his spirit. I'm like, he gets that. You know, and, and that again, it's not a dig. It's just yeah. being part of life, you yeah. know, and that's, you know, like just get up and go, get up and grind, right. do it, do the work, start a podcast. That podcast doesn't work. Start a different podcast. Yep. You want to do a video show, do a video show. If that yeah. work does, that doesn't work. Do something new. Yep. You know, find that thing. So no, I think I, that'd be it. That was a very long winded answer. No, I, I love it. I love long winded. It's my, that's my MO. I love long winded. <laughs> uh, before I dive in, what I want to say about that, David yes. Lynn says using other people's art is as inspiration reminds me of Hemingway's quote, what a writer has to do is write what hasn't been written before and beat dead men at what they have done. I love it. Everyone's loving that question. I love that, that little quote there, David. Thanks for sharing that, dude. So for me, what, what would I say to myself uh, two years ago uh, or one year ago, two years ago, um, if, yeah, if I could tell, tell myself two years ago, my younger self something, I would say this. I would say punch perfectionism in the face. I would just punch perfection, perfectionism in the face because it's something that helped me back so much the reason this didn't happen for so long was because i was like oh it has to be perfect um or it has to be this or it has to be that um i thought it had to be an exact format an exact thing um but it didn't it didn't at all it, it could be messy and people relate to that i mean messy is real and so i had to get over and get off my high horse of like i need to be this or that or the other thing or just like this or just like that nope Boom. Punch it in the face. It's not a reality. Um, like God calls us to be perfect, but it's really just 
by being ourselves and praying, you know, and that's how over time that'll happen. Like, but it'll never happen until you're dead. And so, like, just just start just start doing something because perfect isn't going to happen. It's don't don't focus on perfect because I focused way too long. I thought I had to go back to this Catholic life, the podcast I did before this. I thought I had to go back to like I did. I've done. St- so many stupid, like, there's a podcast, you can go still find it, it's called Your Voice Just Got so- Social, I did two episodes of it, and I was like, I beat myself up, I was just like, oh, like, people are gonna think I'm a jokester or a flake, or whatever, it's like, I don't care if people think I'm a jokester or a flake, that's what I realized now, I didn't realize it for a long time, but, um, it, that, look, I've, you know, it just is what it is, and, you know, people have their opinions, and that's fine, but uh, I'm not perfect, and what I'm going to make probably isn't going to be perfect, so punch perfectionism in the face. It's my motto of 2020, um, and it's really helped me a lot. So, yeah, just do it, Nike style. That's good, man. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I love it. Anyone want to call into the show, you should call into the show. If we can get one caller, it would make my day. It would make my day. David, you should, you should call in. I know you said you're at work, but you should just go sneak away, call in, Adam, does Gus want to do a TikTok mm. uh, dance for us? And so I actually, I, I got rid of TikTok. Oh, you got rid of TikTok? Uh, I got rid of it. Did, so did I may go back to your, it at some point. But did, did it consume your life? Yes. Like, oh my and God, it's I so... got like really like, I spent a lot of time like scrolling through TikTok and I hated that. Yeah. And yeah. so I got rid of it. And also, apparently, the Chinese government is using it to spy on us or something. But whatever. I, I, somebody um, told me that. Somebody's. But yeah, told I, me that. I just had enough. I was like, it, and like to the point where like my kids were like, "Can we watch TikToks?" Like all like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, TikTok. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm shutting TikTok down. <laughs> I love it. Man. I love it. Well, if you want to call in, you can get in as I'm asking my last questions. But Adam, I ask everybody these two questions at the end of every show. Number one, what's what's a book or a few books? Doesn't have to be spiritual. It could be whatever you want that you would recommend for them to be reading during this time or whenever. Okay, um, if it's a spiritual book, and it's going to sound uh, kind of cornball, but uh, Purpose Driven Life. Nice. And I know that that sounds weird, but like, uh, uh, even though Rick Warren's not Catholic, um, he that. That book really helped me put personal faith and community life in perspective. So, like reading that was a was a really great one for me. Like when I discovered purpose driven life, like that was really important for me. Um, I love it. Non non faith based books. Okay, I'm gonna say uh, one of the. It's a little weird. So, like the content in this book is a little weird. But there's a great book called I can't remember who wrote it. But it's called The Circle. And they tried to make a movie out of it with Tom so, Hanks and yeah, stuff so like that. Good. And it's just a it's a really interesting look at like when social media gets out of control. Yeah. And like when technology becomes really all consuming. David Eggers, uh, I think, is who wrote it. Yes, 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 yes. So good. And so I I like that was the last fiction book that like I dove into and I was like, Oh my god, this is so good. And I just kind of like just churned through every page. Yeah. Um one that I have just started reading, um, and I haven't finished it yet, but I started using the companion app. Um, it's made by the 10% Happier People. It's about uh, med- Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics uh, by, yes. by Dan Harris. Oh, dude, that guy's so I, awesome. Talk about vulnerability being open with 
uh, failure and stuff. I mean, not that it was failure, but just a breakdown that he had on national yeah. television. It just changes. Uh, dude, his witness is really cool. My buddy David's trying to call in. David's trying to call in. David, one second. I get, Josh Cade just called back, and then uh, we're, we're going to get you on. Josh, what's going on? What's up, Nick? It You're, sounds like you got, uh, we got a neighbor of mine. Yeah, you got a neighbor of mine on the phone. Yeah, buddy. We got Adam Eichelberger here and uh, Josh K. What, what's your question for the show? And we got uh, David calling in here in a second. Um, well, my question for the show is, where do you see ministry, in not just like ministry and youth ministry, but ministry, evangelization ministry, five months from now? Mm, Adam, go for it. I think we're going to be, and I know I'm, like, I'm not trying to sound like too dark. I think we're going to be in the same kind of boat that we're in. You know, I think that, and I'm not trying to be like skeptical or, or, or anything like that. But I, I think that the situation that we find ourselves in, this is, this is a marathon, not a race. And so um, ministering to people is going to be a lot of this kind of online DIY kind of stuff like we're doing right now. But I think the big way that we can reach people right now is go to your parish, get a list of 10 people, 20 people, and they don't all have to be like shut-ins or elderly, just people. Yep. Get their addresses and write a note. Like handwrite a card to somebody and send it in the mail. Yep. You know, because texts are good. Phone calls are great. FaceTime calls are awesome. But there's something about that experience of knowing that somebody took the time to actually connect with you in that way and not – this is going to sound bad. But, but just, just letting somebody know that you're there without an expectation of receipt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just, just send that card and be like, hey, like I, I, like I hope you're doing well. I'm praying for you. If there's anything you need, just, I just want you to know that, you're, that, you're, that I'm praying with you. You're in my thoughts. And that we're in this, like, not to be campy, but we're in this together. You know, like, I'm here with you and all this. And just sending out cards. You know, that's one of the things that my pastor, uh, Friar Rick, and uh, and our associate, Friar Nick, did at Assumption. Because everybody was super bummed out about the Palm Sunday thing. Like, because we weren't able to hand out palms. Yeah. Uh, they, they settled up in our big meeting room with our big TV that we use for a bunch of different stuff. And they put on something on Netflix. And they were writing cards and stuffing folded palm fronds into envelopes and mailing them to parishioners. And that's one of the biggest <laughs> that's so pieces awesome. of like shy of going digital yeah. and streaming and doing and making content. The amount of feedback that we got on handwritten cards with palm fronds was yeah. just incredible. It was just amazing. That's amazing. And just the commitment of these guys, they were willing to spend hours yeah. doing that. It shows that you care. And so it, it's really to me, Josh, it's, it's finding new ways to express to your community that you care, yep. that you're, that you're, that you're still present, even though you can't be present. My dad, see my dad, Scott Gurley, he just, Scott Gurley, yep. he just said that cards work. Yep. And he, and now I'm going to tell you this, he's been in ministry. Correct me if I'm wrong, dad, <clears throat> you've been in ministry over 30 years. It's amazing. It's and amazing. I guarantee you, for a big chunk of that 30 years, he's done exactly that, which is writing cards, staying in touch with people, and being personable. So that's a big part of it. Also, 
My mom's here. <laughs> yes, yes, mom. What's my going mom, on? My mom, Lois Eichelberger. So that's amazing. I didn't know that she would tune in. I didn't even know she used Facebook this much. But anyway, that's amazing. Um, Nick, what would you say? Like, what? Where do you? Th- Thirty-six years. There you go. Thank 36 you. Thirty-six years. years. That's yeah. amazing. Um, it, wait, hold, on. Dave uh, or David? Yeah, David, are you on the line? I think I have David. Oh. I think I have David on the line, or maybe I'm leaving a really long voicemail for somebody. David. <laughs> Well, whoever it is, they they're just getting they're just getting whatever this is. Hello, no, no, no. Call me back, David. Okay. Call call back, David. I'll answer. Um, so, uh, what would I? Where, say? Are, we gonna, where are we going to be in six months? Where are we going to be in six months? I, I'm worried. I am I am worried that for a lot of parishes, it might go back to what it is, uh, what it was, and um, I'm. I'm really no. Come on, David. David, call back. I'm sorry, brother. I tried calling you, but my phone. I'm Google Voice. I'm using a Google Voice number right now, and uh, it's it's having difficulties. Um, it's my bad. It's my fault. I owe you one. You're coming on the show. You're coming on the show next as a guest. Um. So what? I, I'm worried that it will go back uh, to where it is or where it was. Um. But I'm also hopeful that I, I think that this is going to be a big renewal for the church. Um, David, I got you. Are you there? David? Who is this? Who is this? Oh, no, it's a robocall. It's a, it's a robocall. Unless it was David. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. This is crazy. Um, David is not a robot. It's not a robot. He's not a robot. But it didn't say it to accept. Yeah. No, no, no. Anyway, David, call. Um, you could text my number if, you, if, you, if he wants to call my real number. Uh, so uh, I'm hopeful that this is going to be like a big renewal for the church. And I, I think that a lot of people are, are going to be inspired to just really be pushing the envelope. To, to move past the status quo and to really actually like do something amazing um, in the church that I think we're starting to see kind of a, a hint of now during this time. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. I think it's on fat. We're on fast forward right now too. I think like we're going to see this in 20, 30 years for sure. Because I, you know, like, just to be honest, it's like a bunch of 20s and 30-year-olds that are basically, like, keeping the connection of church to the people right now. Um, and those are going to be the people continuing to work in ministry for years to come. And so, yeah, I think— uh, And I'm going to say this. <clears throat> One of the things that I have found in this kind of crazy time— is that for one of for like the first time I can really think of in 16 years of me doing this? Yeah, it's not a matter of how can I make my stuff better than somebody else's, or how can I because like that's what you talked about earlier, like this weird siloing that we do where we're like we're not connecting with other churches, and like my heart is like if I can help another parish stay connected with their people through this mess, that's what I want to do. I'm not trying to do it to try and make sure that your people start coming to my church right. when everything's said and done. And that's the other dangerous part is like, this is the new normal. Yeah. Like we have to understand that this is going to be a part of our lives. Like this way of doing ministry and connecting to people is going to be a part of our lives for the foreseeable future. And it's going to and mark my words. I'm going to say this. When churches try and go back to business as usual, when this is all over, yeah. that community is going to die. Yep. It's going to die. And you need you need to be willing to 
grind it out. Like you, you need to be willing to stretch yourself into new ways. Just be, just because that, I mean, like obviously we want people to be in the pew at mass, but if you can find ways to connect with people at a distance, do it for sure. That's for sure. Uh, we got David here. He says, question, since you were, are, since you were screening my calls. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. This guy's hilarious. I need to be his friend. Um, he says, how do you share best practices while avoiding the, quote, well, my parish is doing this? How, how do you, you share best practices while avoiding the, well, my parish is doing this? So, so essentially, like, go, can you redefine this for me? I'm I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. you so, like, so I, I get what he's saying. So um okay. when you when you're saying like when you want to find best practice like you like you as an individual or you as an organization are trying to find what's gonna work for you. Yeah. And then you ask people and then they say like, Well, my parish is doing this. Oh yeah. And, yeah. And I think that there's actually a value in that because for me, I learn just as much from asking a hundred people, what are you doing and seeing Yep. 98 examples of stuff that I think is no good yep. because I'm getting through to those things that I think, okay, this is going to work. Yep. And that's the really important distinction for me is not only what do I prefer, but what's going to work. And I've never learned this more than in um, my time working with uh, my, my parish at Assumption because there's things that I really like, yep. like looks that I like or things that I really like. And then my pastor will be like, I don't really know. Like, I don't think that's going to work. And I get like, I'll, I get all butthurt for a minute. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, oh, it's because he understands them in a way that maybe I don't. Yeah. And so it's okay for us to, I, I, David, I'm not afraid of the, well, my parish is doing this kind of thing because I learned from what other parishes are doing. Yeah. You know, like I'll see something that one parish is doing and I, and, and I really like that. And, and see, like for me, and he, he has to follow up without playing the comparison of my parish is doing yeah. stuff better than yours. Uh, for me, those parishes that do things that are better than mine, which I admit that there are, inspire me. Like I, like, I put out a question on Twitter, like, hey, who's got a great streaming experience at your parish? And somebody kind of re- rebutted, like, I, I would say, like, if anybody's doing anything, they're doing a great job. I'm like, I'm not saying they're not doing a great job. Yeah. I'm saying, like, when you think of something like, wow, this experience stood out to me. Yeah. What is that experience? I'm going to call out a parish by name, Solano Catholic. Solano Catholic. That's what I was going to say. SolanoCatholic.org. Visit that website. It's incredible. Look at what that church is doing. It is unprecedented. It's amazing. Because it is such this amazing mix of um, engaging content while being wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, yeah. Catholic in their in their beliefs and, and, and everything. Like, it's just incredible. Yep. It's so, I'm like, these guys, I'm like, I'm like I wish it. I could do that. And so again, it's me taking little bits of something they did. I'm like, this is good. I'm going to grab this because I know I can do this. Yeah. And, and as a parish worker, there's things you got to, you got to piece, you got to kind of take this and then we're going to do this now. And then we're going to take this and do it now. You kind of have to work it on because you can't just explode here. We're going to do the, all of this stuff. Yeah. It's just not going to work. It just doesn't work that way. And I think, especially when you get like, I remember when I first got into ministry, it was like, I'm going to come in and change the game, and this is what we're going to do, and it's going to be amazing. And then I was like, no. And, like, Parrish, like, <laughs> punched me in the face, and I was like, oh, yep. okay, okay, that, that got to get back up, and we'll figure this out. And then it's just, all those things are good. That energy's good. Um, it's a spirit of mine, I think, but we have to kind of gently kind of bring these things 
in, especially when we see them from other parishes. Dude, Solano Catholic, I love. I, in fact, I talked to the pastor, Father Dewey. I, I'm going to reach out to him. I, I want to have him on the show. Um, Father Dewey Lee is his name, the pastor of that parish. And I talked with him at the Catholic Youth Ministry Convention. Um, and I said, well, like, I've, I want to belong at Solano because, like, their whole tagline is belong at Solano. And I was like, it's so nu- it's so awesome. It's so cool what you're doing. Like, how did this come about? And he said that he got assigned to this uh, parish, and he sat down in the front pew, and he was just praying. And he said, Lord, like, what do you want me to do? And he had this firm resolve in his heart that God told him, like, I want you to make this parish the place where the next great evangelist is going to come from, where the next great Catholic worship leader is going to come from wow. where the net, like, rec- so he's literally they're they're investing like his plan and his vision. He told me was he's investing to build a recording studio at the parish so that they can record some of the best, like Catholic worship music in the world. Like that's like, he just, and he's just like, this is his dream. And that's amazing. And it's so beautiful. Cause like, it's not going to happen overnight. And although they've done a ton with the short amount of time he's been there. I don't know how long he's been there, but I don't think it's been a super long time. But, like, we need more people like that who are dreaming and, like, just willing to sh- to to just share it, to just share. like. And he's not. I mean, like, they. I don't know if they've – I don't know. I haven't watched him super closely, but I'm sure, like, they've, you know, grown – you know, had this mistake happen and then grown from it and figured it out, and they're just putting things out there, and they're just going for it. And it's amazing to see how, like, him and his, as a pastor especially, investing in that at, for a parish. So cool. I love Solano Catholic. Dude, I could talk about it all day. Like, my wife and I literally just tune in every week for their masses. And uh, even if we've already watched our, our parish mass drive, live stream it, mm-hmm. we, t- we tune and check it out. Or their uh, acoustic worship that they do weekly, it's so, it's so good. It's just so good. I, I want to share this thing that my dad said. He chimed in. He said this. He said, I've always learned from other churches and other denominations. God is not into a denomination. He's into a holy nation, the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and so I think that that's really important that you can learn from things like especially and I'm, I'm talking to the Catholic Church here. Yeah. So if, if anybody here is, is listening or watching and you're not Catholic, I may not necessarily be speaking to your experience, but I'm going to say this. We have very much defined what our experience is when it comes to uh, worship and liturgy, community, evangelization. And I, for us to say that we have nothing to learn from other parts of the body of Christ is the, is the definition of hubris. Yeah. It's, you know, like I was talking to my dad about this the other night because him and I have been FaceTiming a lot. Yeah. And I was saying, I, I said it kind of jokingly, but I do kind of mean it. Like we for so long were like, no, we don't live stream. You're supposed to come to mass. Yeah. And then the whole world got turned on its head. And I told my dad, I'm like, maybe we should have been paying attention <laughs> to what doing this. other churches, to what, to what our Protestant brothers and sisters were actually doing. Because they were doing it. And yeah. they were engaging people and they were ministering to people and realizing like, oh, maybe we should have just paid attention. Yeah. It's not just about loving your neighbor. It's also about paying attention to your neighbor. You know, and... Um, you know, like like his church does an amazing online experience every week, and the, and that's the other thing I want to say about it is that other denominations do this better than we ever will. Is at his church at Generations Church in Tucson, there is this amazingly dedicated staff of volunteers, yeah, who were not coerced into doing the work. Mm. He's not strong arming a bunch of people into 
parking lot duty you're greeting people at the door yeah or doing tech team and stuff like that like they came forward and asked how they could serve they kind of evaluated their gifts and they put them to work in a place that they felt comfortable serving like we as the catholic church need people who are willing to serve yeah and help with things because like it can't just like and this you'll you'll know this just as well as i do like we get, like people get hired as youth ministers and then they do 10 other jobs. Ten. You know, they get hired as a youth minister and then they spend just as much time creating social media content and uh, developing uh, online platform and building a website and blah, 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 blah. And yep. fixing everyone's iPhones. Like that's just what winds <laughs> Teaching up Teaching them it's Zoom like, right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But there, there is this amazing spirit within non-denominational churches within the Protestant church of people who are saying like, I want to help however I can. So I'm going to help however I can. Right. So they do, they just serve. Amen. And, uh, that's, I mean, like you, I, I, I texted him to see if he would let us call him, but he didn't answer. I don't know if, I don't know if he's just not available on the phone, but you should get him on here sometime. Like, I know that we, I know that predominantly we talk in the context of Catholicism, but I think that there's a lot that we can learn from, yeah. from the Protestant, from our Protestant brothers and sisters about stuff, you know, and, sure. and and the other thing too, again, David said something about the spirit of comparison thing. Yeah. Like it does, it drives me nuts too, because at, at the same time, like I want to be Solano Catholic. I want to be uh, Elevation Church in, in North Carolina yeah. who have these amazing, they're having online, they've had online experiences with thousands of people yeah. joining every week at every service. So they're doing eight, 10, 12, two, four, six on a Sunday. So they got six services on a Sunday, and every time they do a service, they have 1,600 people, 2,000 people, 3,500 people, 5,000 people tuning yeah. in to their services. And I look at that, and I see their production, and I see the quality. I'm like, I want that. Yep. But again, use what's in your hand. Use what's in your hand. It's really important for our people to see their parish. And that leads me to one more point that I want to make on this. I'm going to finally shut my mouth and let Nick say something. I know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I had this Twitter engagement with somebody, and they actually, and I, I don't know how old they were. I don't know if they were uh, like a teen or a young adult, but they had mentioned how, how much they enjoyed the Solano experience, yeah. which is great. Uh, but sh- they said something to the effect of, I, I haven't even tuned into my own parish because I've been so engaged with Solano. Yeah. Cool. Your parish needs you. Needs you. They need you. You're like, part of a community. Um, that, exactly. And it's and that's not a money grab statement. Like no. obviously the church needs people to be generous to help keep the lights on and help us keep serving people, not just in an online space, but like at, at one of the parishes I work at here, both parishes actually, we still have food pantries and soup kitchens that are working every day. Every day. And trying to maintain health safety and stuff like that. But like so obviously there's a financial need. But they need you to stay connected in community. So, like, I, Nick, I love your you said, like, oh, we tune into the Solano experience, too, after we do our parish. Yeah. We do the same thing. We sit down. Now, I'm going to be really honest. We're not putting on, like, our Sunday best every time we do mass on TV. Like, there's been a couple times where I got a polo shirt and jeans on. And uh, <laughs> Easter Sunday, we tried to dress nice because yeah. Kate and I actually read at a stream service, at a stream mass. Nice. Uh, but sometimes it does wind up us being in pajamas and the dog is on the couch with us and stuff like that. Yep. Do, be connected to your parish and then also allow yourself to be fed by other parishes, but don't abandon your parish because you think something is better somewhere else. Yeah. You know, like remember that the people who are doing what you think the is people. not good enough are striving to do that. And, yes. You know the, what I mean? Yeah. Your, li- your little engine that could perish 
who's putting out something that's using like an iPhone seven and, <laughs> and the, and the, and the, and the yeah. sound is, is doo doo and, and the video is not great. And there's latent, there's like a lot of lag in the stream. That is, that is people working hard yes. to do that. One of the most beautiful things that I keep seeing here in this diocese is there's two priests, Father Jason Hage and Father Chris Ballard. And they have communities where like they don't have a lot of people. I, I'm assuming that like there's not a lot of people who are able to stop those gaps. And so they're just like, okay, I've got this tripod. I got my iPhone. And they're doing daily mass. They're doing Sunday mass. They're streaming it online for their people. And it's not super high production value, but they're doing it. Yeah. Don't bail on good priests and good parishes simply because it's not polished enough for you. Yeah. Let that stuff be an enrichment to your soul, but don't leave other parts of the church. Don't do it. Don't do you it. Know? Don't leave your parish just because something else looks good. Yeah, because these because you keep you kept like kind of saying like these are people doing this. It's people that you live with that you that are in your neighborhood that are in your church that you sit next to in the pew regularly now or not. But there are people that are there for you and that you should love too. Like it's remember that it's a person. It's not just a screen that you're watching some and consuming content. It's a community. It's a relationship that you're having. Like it's about the relationship with those people and the community. It's so important to remember that because I think if if we just I mean, the Catholic world, the Christian world has so much content to receive. You're you're doing it right now. But if it's not about actually having a conversation and relationship, calling into the show, having your comments, talking about it, like engaging with each other, doesn't matter. Like it really doesn't matter. If all this stuff happens and it doesn't actually bring you back to your church community and bring you back to the people that are serving you and that you are called to serve, then like, come on, you got to change something there if that's what it is. So, I mean, that's kind of what I, where, where I think about all of it. It's like we have to make sure that we don't forget the people in all of this. So, so imperp- it's so important. The window, the, the widow's the coin has, has value. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. that's going on the stream right there. I love it. Applies to the small parish the best way. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it, David. David, this guy's awesome. We gotta, we gotta be friends on Facebook. You gotta friend me on Facebook, um, dude. Adam, I love it. So, I appreciate everybody with your comments, your questions, people who call into the show. Josh, thanks for being with us. Um, you know, David, I'm sorry for I didn't mean to screen, screen, screen your call. Can I even say words? I didn't mean to screen your calls. I tried to try to answer, brother. Next time, um, Adam. So, last question I ask everybody is okay. You spent an hour and a half. You've officially broken the record for the longest show on the Nick Longo Show. Congratulations. We've got to clap for you. Now, through all of this, it's taken such a long time, and boom, you died. <laughs> okay? Unfortunate. Um, but you have the chance to come back and pick. You're the patron saint of what? What would you choose? Patron saint... Of nerds and weirdos. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love I'm the it. Pat- I'm the patron saint of nerds and weirdos. That's amazing. Patron saint of nerds and weirdos. Dude, that's amazing. I love that. Because it's just because you're the ner- a nerd and weirdo. <laughs> uh, yeah. I am a nerd and I'm a weirdo. You know, I was talking I was talking with my dad about that. About how, you know, like God loves me as I am, even though I'm nerdy and, we- and weird and quirky. And I want to be the patron of nerdy, quirky, weird people. I love it. So, 
I love it, brother. That's amazing. Where can people find you, man? What What's some things you got going on you want people to check out? Wow. Um, so everything has been so busy right now making content for parishes and the parishes I work for and, and, and keeping people connected. Um, I do have, I do have some social media stuff. So everything I, everything I do is this, this filter called the life of Adam, which is something I started doing a while ago, which is literally just me talking about, uh, my life and how it relates to, uh, faith and, and relationships and stuff like that. So I have a website, the life of Adam.com. Uh, I have Twitter and Instagram at the life of Adam. I don't really have like a Facebook page per se. Like I have my personal one, but I don't really have like a, a Facebook page, but yeah, I mean like I, I, I love that I get the chance to connect with people, travel, uh, speak, and stuff like that. But I also really love being home with my family and serving people in my actual church community. So uh, thelifeofadam.com, Life of Adam on Instagram and Twitter. I love connecting with people. Um, and uh, I do a lot of stuff for our YouTube channels for these two parishes I work at now. So if you want to check out Mass, you can find links on my site and my social for any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, man, I just want people to know you're good enough. Like God made you that way and you're good enough. So just don't ever forget how much he loves you. No matter where you're at right now, don't ever forget how much he loves you and that you're not alone. So I love it, man. That's amazing. I appreciate it, brother. And dude, I appreciate you. And I just want to thank you so much for being on the show and just acknowledge you for the guy you are. Cause I think like your, um, just realness and, uh, your creativity has always inspired me. Uh, more than anything, I think your realness has really inspired me. Just the way that you share your life with your family online, like your life with your kids. Like you're just such an inspiring dad to me. Um, the way you love like us and uh, what's your daughter's name, Maggie? Yeah, Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, dude, the way you love those two is just amazing. The way you love your wife is amazing. So I just really uh, appreciate your witness of, of fatherhood um, and being a husband. It's really been something that I've looked up to and um, – I'm so, so blessed to have you on the show, man. So thank you so much for being here, dude. It means the world. Dude, thanks so much for having me, man. We'll have to do it again. I promise I'll keep it shorter next time. No, this is glorious. Dude, I've been <laughs> wanting to break records. So we broke them and, you know, it's, it's, we, we, we accomplished a goal. We accomplished a goal. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. You can subscribe uh, to the Nick Longo Show wherever you listen to podcasts. You can even ask Alexa. Play the Nick Longo Show Catholic Podcast. She's going to do it. Am I? She going to do it? Oh. Oh. No, she's she's turning off. She can't connect to the internet. But if you asked Alexa to play the Nick Longo Show on whatever podcast, she'd do it. She'd play it in your house. So you go subscribe, leave a review, and uh, go check out Adam, www.thelifeofadam.com. And uh, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for hanging out for an hour and a half. All right. Thanks so much, Nick. Thank you, Adam. Peace. Peace.